started last week this new series on relationology, studying the, the elements uh, that make up for a great relationship. Last week, we talked about the agape kind of love, that love that doesn't love because of the value that it finds in the other uh, person or thing that's being loved, but, but because of the character and the will and the faithfulness that is coming out of the person who's doing the loving. And, and we take our cues on how God loves for that. I hope you got a chance to put some of that into practice this week, loving somebody who maybe wasn't inherently lovable. We all get opportunities to do that on a regular basis. But every great relationship kind of starts with that as a foundation. But then I, I want to talk a little bit this morning, you've heard us mention it several times, about this concept of vulnerability, being vulnerable with one another. It's kind of counterintuitive to us as human beings. We, we grow up in this culture that we were born as babies and we're very vulnerable as these babies. I mean, we have to have our diapers changed and we have to be fed and we have to be nursed and we have to be uh, rocked to sleep. And I mean, we are absolutely vulnerable and dependent. And much of our growing up life is working to insulate ourselves from that feeling of vulnerability. We, we grow up and we try and become independent. We try and carve out our niche. And we tr- learn to feed ourselves. We learn to go to the bathroom on our own. We learn to do all of these things by ourselves, dress ourselves. A lot of, if you've parented young children, a lot of your life is spent trying to help them become less vulnerable. To the, to the outside world, right? And we grow up and we have these, these desires to seek independence and all of this is healthy and natural and good, but, but a lot of times it will lead us full headlong into this idea that if I just like get my skin thick enough, if I could just build up the walls high enough between me and the things that make me feel vulnerable, then, then I'll be all right. And, and we all know that this is kind of an illusion because the course of life uh, ends and we become vulnerable again, right? We've all seen both spectrums of this way of life. So we spend a lot of our time trying to insulate ourselves from vulnerability, but vulnerability with one another is one of the absolutely essential elements if you're going to have a great relationship. And we learn this as we're growing up too. A lot of us uh, learn this in our our kind of opposite sex kind of uh, moments of of figuring out how to deal with a romantic relationship. I remember, I can't remember if I've told you guys this story or not, but humor me if I have, my first attempt at a kiss. And I say attempt at a kiss because it didn't work out for me. But, but there was this girl that I had liked so much and, uh, and in the third grade. So I started young, right? And, uh, and so this girl, I really just, oh man, she was so uh, unbelievable. And, and so I, got, I had worked up my nerves onto, onto the last day of school. And we were all cleaning out our desk. We got this big, like, Payless, that was our grocery store, paper bag with all of my homework that I hadn't brought home and showed my parents because I didn't want to be vulnerable to them, you know? And so... I clear out my desk and I'm on my, and I had developed a plan over the course of that week. I knew the bus route. I knew I had to walk along and she got on this bus and then I got on the bus after that. And so I was going to walk her out to her bus and then have this moment there, right? Right in front of her bus with, uh, with our paper bags and everything and, and, and ready to go. And, and I was going to kiss this girl, you know? And I was going to become vulnerable. Now, this is not easy, right? Uh, When we're trying to become vulnerable with somebody, there's a risk to that. There's a chance that it might not work out. There's a chance that she might turn her head. There's a chance she might slap me, you know, like there's all sorts of chances. And 
And, uh, but yet I, I'd worked up the courage and, and I, I, I walked her out to the bus and something that I hadn't figured into all of my planning was the fact that she was a foot taller than me. And now here we are both holding these big paper bags full of like really heavy stuff and I'm like struggling. So she's got hers in front of her. I've got mine in front of me and we're standing there in front of the bus and I, I'm like, this is my chance. I mean, I'm not gonna see her until next school year. And so I did what any good third grade boy would do and I jumped. Like I literally did like one of these and I missed. And, and so I just like what do you do in that moment? You know, I just said, have a great summer. And I, I, I ran to my bus and was just thoroughly embarrassed, right? Ah, Lindsay Winkler was her name. And um, what, a, what an experience. This is a, a lot of us have had kind of moments like this where we, we just try and lay our heart out on the line. We, maybe it was at a junior high dance and, and all the boys are lined on one side and all the girls are lined on another side and, and all of a sudden this one bold person that everybody just looks at and says, I wish I could be like this person walks to the other side and asks somebody to dance. I mean, this is a necessary move if you're gonna have a great relationship. I was listening to a, a Dave Ramsey program his podcast several years ago and I remember him telling a story or he had a caller call in it was this lady and she'd been married for maybe a decade to her husband and you know how every once in a while there are these topics in our lives maybe in our marriages maybe in our friendships whatever that just seem to be off limits and nobody ever wants to address them and yet we know that it's an area that needs addressed and yet it's uncomfortable. Maybe we're gonna disagree about it. Maybe it's gonna cause a fight. And so they'd spent several years just not talking about their finances. And so she did it all and he would kind of go and make the money and then she would keep the checkbook and pay the bills and, and buy the groceries and all that kind of stuff. And so she was kind of stuck with the effects of not having all of this. And she called Dave Ramsey and she's just broken over the phone, national radio. I don't know what to do. And she's in tears, and, and she's just, I mean, barely could hold it together. And, and Dave responded to her, and he said, Honey, here's what you need to do. You need to take one of these evenings, and after the kids get put to bed, you need to turn the TV off and turn to him and grab him by the knees and look him in the eyes and say to him, Baby, I can't breathe. I can't breathe right now because I am suffocating with this issue with our finances. And, and just let, let yourself out there. Put yourself on the line. Now, Dave ended up saying this is going to need to lead to a conversation where you're just bearing your heart and soul to each other. Now, that's not rocket science, Right? This isn't something where you're like, oh, well, they haven't talked about this in 10 years. Maybe they should have a conversation. Like, that's not something that you have to have a PhD to realize. And yet it's something that is so difficult for us to do. I mean, we all know how hard that would have been for that lady to sit there with a guy that she hadn't talked to in 10 years about this topic. And it was killing her to say, uh, lay her heart out on her. How would he respond? The, we all have our own reasons for not becoming vulnerable with each other. Maybe it's because we don't want to appear weak. Maybe it's because we're afraid that we'll be rejected. Maybe it was never modeled for us and, and we were taught to keep our emotions and our feelings private and to, to guard our hearts, you know, and, and to make sure that nobody uh, really got a peek at what was going on. Um, and yet, uh, 
a lot of times we talk in the church about what the character of God is like, and then as Christians, we try and reflect that character of God, that we believe that as Christians, this is our, our goal in life, that God has this desire that we would become uh, people who would reflect his divine image in the creation, uh, that we are his image bearers. And, and when we think about God, a lot of times, I, I think that the default kind of thinking about how we think about God is that God is this kind of like invulnerable, invincible judge, right? This, this one that no one is ever uh, vulnerable. It, it's not vulnerable to anyone ever. That, that is the unmoved mover for all of you philosoph philosophical nuts out there. That this is one of the ways that philosophers talk about God. The one, the one who kind of stands aloof. Maybe we think of God in terms of being a warrior or a mighty God or a sovereign judge. We, we think of God in these kinds of terms. Maybe you think of God in terms of like absolute truths, these things that are unapproachable, that you, you are not vulnerable to anyone. We think about God by default a lot of times in these all-powerful, invincible, invulnerable kinds of ways. And yet, the most clear picture of God that we ever received as human beings came to us in the person of Jesus. And, and his story starts uh, like this in Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This is Christmas stuff, right? Christmas passage. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This invincible, invulnerable God chose to make himself known to us in the form of the most vulnerable being on the planet. I wrote something a little while ago, just kind of looking over the life of Jesus because it wasn't just his birth that God became vulnerable. It was his whole life. Jesus here was born to teenage parents before they were married in a barn with the animals and was laid in a feed trough for his first bed. Not before they were married. She, was, she conceived before uh, they were married and then they were married and she gave birth in a barn with the animals and was laid in a feed trough for his first bed. The king, after that, tried to kill him. His parents were in the working poor class. His brothers and sisters thought he was crazy. His hometown friends tried to throw him off a cliff after his first sermon. He was homeless for three years at least with no real paying job. He touched lepers and dead bodies. He was regularly open to criticism from the religious leaders of his day. He managed continual plots on his life, came to know that he was on a path that was going to lead to his death, 
and walked it anyway. He was eventually put on some sort of mock trial and condemned to be killed. He was beaten and flogged and humiliated in a million ways, was stripped naked, was nailed to a cross, and hung up with his arms stretched out for everyone to see. His words on the cross were, I'm thirsty, and my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He died there rather quickly, and then he was buried in someone else's tomb because he was too poor to buy one. And this is, the early Christians tell us, the clearest picture of God that we have ever received. In John chapter 1, one of Jesus' disciples, the beloved one that we talked about last week, John chapter 1 says this. Can I see that next slide there, Sarah? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, which is one that I say all the time, but it's followed up with this. We have seen his glory in Jesus. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Later on, he wrote the letter, uh, or John, later on in his gospel, in John 14, Jesus was having this conversation with his disciples, and he said, I'm going I'm to be leaving you in a moment, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And one of his disciples, Thomas, says, how are we going to find you? And, and we don't know where you're going. And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Uh, you know. And then he follows that up with, um, if you really know me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip asks a follow-up question to this. It says, wait, what, when have you shown us the Father? And Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. See, th- these are pictures of the early Christians saying, you want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. We see Jesus and we see the Father. And Jesus lived this life of vulnerability, of pouring himself out for us, of laying his life and his love on the line for us, of, make, of exposing himself in these ways to us. Hebrews uh, chapter one, verse three, maybe one of my favorite verses about this, the Christians telling us, you wanna know what God is like, look at Jesus. Uh, He says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. See, God knows, God knew and God knows that we were created for connection. I'm going to steal a phrase that Gene Lanfair has been leading this group on Sunday nights, that helping marriages get a little stronger and helping people create these connections, that, uh, that Kenny Sandifer helped write this book that they're doing, and he's with us today. This, so I'm just going to steal that phrase, the title of that book, that we were created for connection. 
We were made for connection. That's why we, we put this word at the very front. It's the first word in our mission statement here as a church, connecting with God and others. This is a relationship term, a relationship word. We were made for these kinds of relationships, and God knows this. And yet because of our stubbornness, because of our rebellion, because of maybe our pride, God knew that he would have to be the one to make the first move. And so God became vulnerable in order to be close to us. Now, we know there is a risk to this. I mean, you may jump up and try the kiss and, and you may miss. You may get laughed out of the building. He may uh, turn back his legs after you've grabbed his knees and say, I don't care. Get some oxygen and turn the TV back on. There's a risk to this kind of vulnerability. And yet, if we are going to have relationships that mean anything, we have to, we have to go there. We have to go there. C.S. Lewis had this great quote uh, about vulnerability and, and, and what it means to love. This next slide, love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. To love is to be vulnerable. A couple years ago, several years ago, actually, Anna was sick. And in my household, uh, when we get sick, we get quarantined. <laughs> you, you stay in the bed, you go on the sick couch, you stay there until your fever is gone and probably after that. Uh, and, uh, and, and so Anna had spent... Uh, several or maybe a couple of days with like no real human interaction. I mean, we were like, like, like take a stick and, and push dinner into her. No, I'm kidding. It's not that bad. But, but, uh, but, but she lacked, Anna's always kind of been this lovey, kind of like just relationally connected kind of person. And, and, um, and we got to this point, she, I don't know, she was probably four or five years old. And uh, she was starting to feel a little better, but she still had a fever and everything. And, and so she had moved down from the playroom. We were all, Ashley and Gray and I were eating dinner. In, uh, in the kitchen, and, and she was laying on the couch in the living room. And all of a sudden, we hear her in her little weak, sick voice cry out, will somebody come and lay with me? Now, the answer to that is no. <laughs> You're sick, and so we can't touch you right now, right? But of, of course not, right? As a dad, I hear my daughter saying, will you come? And so she's covered up with her blanket, and, and I thought, okay, here we go. You know, I'm going to go get sick. And, uh, and so I got up, and I went over, and I sat down on the couch next to her, and, and I put my hand over the blanket on her leg. <clears throat> and, and I sat there for a minute with her, and then eventually she picked up the blanket, and she grabbed my hand, and she put it under the blanket on her leg. And she moved my hand up and down her leg. <laughs> and I got it. 
she needed this connection. And, and in order for that to happen, we were going to be vulnerable to each other. I may get her sickness, you know. Uh, and, and, and yet, you can't go a couple of days without this kind of thing. We can't go any period of time where we're not vulnerable with each other. I think, guys, this is what God does when he comes down to us. We're sick. And, and his holiness is, is going to get messy, and, and yet he loves us, and he does it anyway, and he becomes vulnerable because that's what needs to happen in order for a relationship to really take place. A couple weeks ago, Ashley, I'm going to invite the band to come. Um, I'll just leave you with this last story. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Ashley and I are sitting there uh, getting ready to go to bed, and and she turned to me, and, um, and she shared something with me that m- made her feel really vulnerable, you know. And, and for some reason, for her, uh, this thing w- felt, uh, felt embarrassing or, or whatever, and, and yet it's just the normal kind of stuff that any one of us have. But a, a lot of times, the, you, you, we build these things up that we don't want to share uh, with us and make them into these big monsters in our minds, right? But, but she just got real bold one night, and she just shared something with me. Uh, that, that took some vulnerability to share. And I remember in that moment thinking that I felt instantly connected to her on a heart level. I mean, it really impacted me to the point where the next morning I woke up and I texted her. I was sitting at a coffee shop and I texted her. I said, thanks for sharing that last night. Instantly, that made me feel connected to you. And I appreciate that. And, and it stuck with me to the point where several times, in fact, I think it's probably uh, the engine for a lot of this series is the need that we have to get real with one another, to be vulnerable with one another, and, and also to give each other the opportunity in those moments to practice the kind of love that God loves us with. And so I want to challenge you this week. Get real with somebody. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a close friend. Share something that makes you feel vulnerable. Build that bridge of vulnerability towards connection. Give them an opportunity to love you in the middle of that. And and make sure that you're trying in the same moment to, to create those kinds of environments where other people feel safe with you to be able to do that with you as well. And in doing this and being vulnerable with one another, we are reflecting the character and the heart of the Lord. We're going to listen to, and if you know it, sing along with it, a song about how God came close to us, closer than, than we know, closer than, than maybe we could even possibly dream, but God, in his love for us, made himself so vulnerable to us. And as you hear the song, maybe as you sing along, if you know it, if you would just return the favor to God, and open up your life and your heart to him. He is absolutely to be trusted with your vulnerability. There's no reason to hide anything. And so maybe that's in the quietness of your own heart. Maybe it's in your song uh, to just open your life up to him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for being vulnerable with us, for building that bridge of connection, of relationship. God, we pray that we wouldn't take it for granted and that we would open ourselves up to you, that we would be real with one another, um, and that we would 
learn what it is to be relationally, emotionally vulnerable with each other in order to build those bridges of connection. We love you, God. We thank you for coming close. In Jesus' name.